This episode of the Cinemavention podcast is brought to you by Routing Wonk, RozJ001, Alex Hanna, and Wabbit Magic. Want to find out how to become one of the names listed? Go to patreon.com slash wscottis1 to find out how. Hi, I'm W. Scott is one, and I have not seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh-oh, we found another movie Willie hasn't seen. This calls for an intervention. A Cinemavention. Where'd you get those goobers? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that, let's be honest, I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be discussing the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which my guest has seen before. He is a Twitch streamer and regular Diamond Club Game Night contributor. Please welcome back to the show, Alex Hanna, a.k.a. Tinvec. Welcome back to the show, and it's good to have you again. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be here and talk movies with you. That's it's always a good time. Absolutely, I'm I'm excited to talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I hope that you are um, ready, Tinvec, and I hope that the audience is ready. So <laughs> here we go. Oh, they better be ready, <laughs> right? <laughs> so Ferris Bueller's Day Off is available for rent or purchase, and is available to stream on Paramount Plus which makes sense because it was released by Paramount Pictures on June 11th, 1986. The movie was directed by John Hughes and stars Matthew Broderick, Mia Sarah, Alan Ruck, Jeffrey Jones, Jennifer Grey, and big, big star Ben Stein. (laughs) (laughs) I have to to ask you a, a secondary question here. Where do you know Ben Stein apart from this movie? I know him from, uh, oh, there was a TV series like, Win Ben Stein's money. Right. It was yeah, on Game yeah, yeah. Show. Yes. Is that the only other place you know him from? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the, the man is an economist. He's he's an accomplished like actual e- economist that like has worked for the White House and stuff. It's yep. It's just really <laughs> funny that, that that you you only know him from his his TV and and movie appearances. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, listen, it's it's a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> He, he 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 also did visine commercials. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh the movie had a budget of five million dollars and made seventy point seven million dollars in theaters. So definitely a return on their investment. Uh Alex though, when was the first movie or when was the first time rather you saw this movie? Um, let's see. It probably was middle or high school. Um, so early teens, I def- definitely. 13, okay. 14, somewhere in there. So um, that would have been 24, 25 years ago. Okay. For a while. So was that, okay. So was that when the movie was out? Um, no, no. It, oh, okay. it came out in, in 86. I, I, I was three years old when the movie came out. Ah, uh, okay. So got it. This was more like I caught it at a friend's house or on TV or something. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh-huh, I don't uh-huh. remember exactly, but I've seen it many times since then because, you know, it's always fun to have an 80s night. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about the movie, because I I keep saying, like, you know, this X movie is a fun movie. Like, I, I noticed that's a theme in Cinemavention is like I keep saying, like, this is a fun movie. And 
one of the things that I uh, one of the things that I've learned about doing from doing this podcast is that I like fun movies, right? And Ferris Bueller is such a fun movie, right? So I it it just seems like all the fun movies, though, like all the movies in general, right? Like especially from the eighties and the nineties, like they all have to do with teenagers in high school doing something fun and in most cases stupid. Like, am I wrong? No, no, that's that's exactly right. And and I think this is because these movies were written by adults. And as <laughs> you you we've all, you know, we were in high school, we were in middle school. As you grow up and start to to understand like your thought process at that time, you think that that's fun. That that's the fun time that you kind of were carefree and could do whatever and consequences weren't that big of a deal. So mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of movies that occupy that that time frame in a person's life you know, like i.e. I, going to high school generally. Um, that's why those are often those those kind of teen comedy fun feel good movies. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's how a lot of people grew up. I mean, that can be contrasted with other movies like Pan's Labyrinth, where that sort of uh more middle school time in your life is very terrible. Mm-hmm. But See, I and I more feel like I would that. identify more with that movie because, you know, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are movies where they're uh, like Revenge of the Nerds is uh, both sides, right? You get you get to see somebody being picked on. And this is actually in college um, where, where they're, you know, some people being picked on and then they get their revenge. And so these people that are kind of seeing themselves as being picked on in this movie get to feel that revenge vicariously. So uh-huh. it's there's some really interesting things about that just formative types of or times of your life that I think people like to write movies about because they're, they're so ingrained in that person that is writing that movie Mm -hmm. because they had that experience. It was formative to them. So they want to write about it. And those types of experiences tend to happen that time in your life, you know? Yeah, sure. No, that's, that's a good point. And, and one of those things is skipping school, right? But here's the thing. I never skipped school because if I had done so, my parents would have found out inevitably because they always knew, right? Like either somebody snitch, like someone always snitched to them, right? Either that or somebody did something dumb and covering it up. And so my parents <laughs> found out because they're, they're shit at covering up. So, so I like, here's the thing. Like I never did any of that stuff because if I had done so, my parents would have found out I would have been caught. And, you know, I would have been <laughs> I would have been kicked off of my electronics or video games or whatever for like a week or however long they decided. Right. And <laughs> here's the thing, like I should have seen this movie while I was in high school because it, I probably could have learned some tips on how to fake sickness. You know, it's like you you fake sickness, you fake the stomach cramp, uh, moan and wail, lick your palms like <clears throat> You know, I love that part of the movie, by the way, where they just like, like they put the instructions on the screen like it's an right. like it's an educational video. <laughs> I think that's part of I mean, it's part of something we'll probably talk about as we talk about this movie overall is uh, that's that kind of breaking the fourth wall of we're not just watching somebody's life. We, this is a movie and we're telling you it's a movie, you know, <laughs> right. And I, here's the thing, though, too, is like even if I did skip school. It's like I don't have a car and I don't have a driver's license. So like really nothing I could do anyway. And on top of that, it, <laughs> like 
Because some people would say, like, oh, if you're in the city, it's like you can just skip school and go to the nearest, like, whatever, right? Like, I didn't even have that luxury. Like, my school was, like, 10, 15 minutes to the nearest town. And <laughs> and so, like, there's nothing to do anyway, even if I even if I do skip school, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And BK in the chat brings up a pretty good point. Ferris didn't have a car. He had to obtain a car. Yeah. <laughs> he knew somebody that had a car. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah, that's the that's the other thing too. I never I didn't have friends that would ever that would pull these shenanigans either. So <laughs> Right. But uh did you ever fake being sick so that you could skip school? Um No, it was generally like I, I would play it up though. But mm-hmm. it, and, and I I knew enough times. Like I knew like the frequency I could do it at that my parents just really wouldn't ask questions. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I don't really feel that great and I'm just like, I, I didn't sleep good. I don't want to go to school. I, I would say I felt bad and, and they would be like, oh, okay, you know, feel better. We'll make you some soup. And that's, but it, but you, you don't pull that more than like two, three times a semester tops, you know? Right. Because here's the thing. When you actually are sick, then they don't believe you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and that's what I mean. You can't, you can't say you're sick more than like once every other month or so, mm-hmm. you know? And then so you want to time it right so that you know if you're actually sick, you can use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So one thing that Ferris and I share in common is that I got a computer instead of a car as well. And I think it was, you know, granted, it was right before college. Right. So I was getting a, a, a computer. I was getting a laptop because I needed one for college. Right. So. But here's the thing, like, honestly, I would have been completely happy with a computer as opposed to a car. And in fact, I was like at the time, like that was just <laughs> that was just a better investment of my time to get a computer as opposed to a car because there ain't shit to do out in the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> and but it sounds like Ferris would have liked the car more. But yeah, like you mentioned, he finds a way to get around it, of course. Uh, also the drawing of that naked woman on the computer screen is hilarious. And I'm like, I guess they couldn't afford internets and it wasn't really around or mainstream back then anyway. So, so they had to make do with what they had, I guess, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And you know, 1986, assuming this is probably filmed in 85 or 84, the internet just, it existed as in the way we know it, the World Wide Web. It it mm-hmm. sort of existed in like BBS form, but it wasn't it wasn't common at all. Like it was, and you're, and you're certainly not putting any pictures or videos on your computer either. <laughs> no, generally not. <laughs> yeah. So, but here's one thing, uh, and I mentioned this on the Breakfast Club episode. I'll mention it again. <laughs> it's interesting that Ferris knows how to hack the school computer system and change his absent days from nine to two. And my response is, come on, Ferris, didn't you learn your lesson from war games? Yes. So it is funny that you call out war games, but uh, the, the fact that he could change his, his um, absences in that, that system doesn't surprise me at all. There was no security. Mm-hmm. Like you had to have access to that, that, computer and it was assumed that that in order to change those things and it was assumed that if you had access to that computer you should have access to that computer because it was only a physical lock or, or in a room you know like it, it was open but it's very easy <laughs> you know, it was yeah. very easy in those times because it was it, it would have been like um it would have been like somebody keeping notes in a notebook and like you just scratching one out and putting two 
mm-hmm. or, or putting, you know, you, you know, reducing one one on there, and they think it's just, oh, it's an error I made. Okay. You yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, I don't know if like I don't know if he they did it live, like like he could see that it was happening, right? Like, um, what was the teacher's name again? Yeah, uh, I mean, Mr. They, Rooney they probably had a. Yeah, they probably had a database, which is it was read from, but it, it's the same idea in that there was no like computer security to that. It was just, oh, can I open the program to get to the mainframe to this database and know how to like tab over to the column and delete and replace the number? Like, you know. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think that Rooney would have had real time feedback, but I don't have enough experience with those systems to know that for sure or not. <laughs> yeah, nah. But <laughs> I mentioned how like Ferris and I share something in common. But truth be told, I identify more with Cameron in this movie. And I don't know. I don't know about you, Alex, but I, I definitely identify more with Cameron than I do Ferris. Like, absolutely. But yeah, that's that's more the. Um, I know the, 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 the more the person, yeah, I guess that, that I would uh, identify with and. Because Ferris is too uh, outgoing. Uh-huh. And that's just not. That's not me. Well, see, I was. <laughs> well, see, I was outgoing, but like only at certain periods. It seems like, like I was, I I could be outgoing, but I can also be introverted, and so like I kind of go back and forth. But sure, you know, I I identify most with Cameron and the in the fact that I'm the type of person that doesn't want to do anything to get in trouble. But like, if you could if you poked and prodded enough and if, and if it was an instance where I wouldn't go to jail for it, <laughs> that I might be inclined to do something. But even then I'd have my reservations and everything, especially, especially once I got into my high school years, like my elementary, even my middle school, I was like, I was the good little kid, never got in trouble. Right. But you know, once I got towards my high school days, I was like, <sighs> it's like you could, if you, if you like pressured me enough, I might pull something off, but it wasn't usually that massive. But um, not only that, but like Cameron is basically like the third wheel uh, the entire time in this movie. And unfortunately, that was me so many times in high school. <laughs> sure. And that's see that that's when you just realize that you need to create your own fun, which Cameron, I guess, eventually kind of learns. But uh not, mm-hmm. not it takes him a while He's not, not in the most ideal show. way either <laughs> well yeah yeah like i i don't know he's like cameron i just i i loved so much but like he, he was like a weird character though right like yeah and and so the the interesting thing that that i think about this movie is that it seems to be a very fun and carefree movie right Mm-hmm. But it it very strictly adheres to the hero's journey, or at least a, a lot of a lot of the hero's journey. I mean, you can you can decide which points and parts to take from it, because um, there's been many interpretations of it over the like thousands of years that that we've had stories of the hero's journey. And my thought here, and I I don't believe I'm the first person to have this thought either, is that um, the actual hero of the story is Cameron, and Ferris is pretty much the villain or at least the impetus for Cameron's change in a not friendly way most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Cameron doesn't want to go with this the entire time. He's right. 
complaining, pleading, saying, no, don't take his car. Don't take his car. But I'm too weak willed. You're going to take the car. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, and, and like through this whole thing, many trials that Cameron has put through by, by Ferris. Like he's the one that, that has orchestrated this entire thing. And he is the one that, that actually ends up causing a lot of these incidents to happen that make Cameron really uncomfortable to put it very lightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and after all of this, Cameron ends up choosing this. And you can find these points in the hero story, but but this freedom to live is his endpoint as the way that he wants. So he that's his like and his end to his hero story. He's like, I am now free to live the way that I want because of everything that Ferris did. And then so you know th- those things that that he felt were terrible, and he he wanted to get away from this whole time. Really showed him that. Not everything in life is that crazy, and you don't have to be afraid or, or anxious about every little thing that that happens in life. Right, and and I, I feel like that's kind of his. He's he went through this arc and this growth because because Ferris is kind of a dickhole in this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, not even kind of. He's a dickhole in this no, movie. He is. He's just <laughs> he's just not maybe not exactly evil. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I noticed this while we were while I was watching the movie. The the car, the Ferrari that they're driving, the license plate on it even says nervous on the license mm-hmm. plate, which I have to assume that was Cameron's feeling the, the whole time all of these shenanigans were being pulled off. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty, except for the like you get the few moments of him when he's like making fun of the people on the stock floor because <laughs> of the, the whatever the Chicago exchange is called. Right. Um, right. Where he's doing the like he's like two. You know what? You know the thing about that. The thing about that scene too is like I I mistakenly thought that they were at the New York Stock Exchange for a moment. I'm like, wait a second, no, we're in Chicago, right? Because immediately before that, there's the Willis Tower that they're showing, right? Because uh, they're talking about, oh, this is the tallest uh, tower in the world. It was at the time, (laughs) and then Uh they they may he makes Cameron like lean against the window and look down, and then they, they go to the stock exchange, or I don't know what it's called. It's called something else. But it's the equivalent of the stock exchange. Yeah. In, in, if anyone in the if anyone in the Discord uh, has that information, let us know. But uh, but yeah, no. I but yeah, I I always forget that Chicago and all these other like I forget that they also have stock exchanges as well. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, anywhere there's business and uh, money to be made, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll have trading points, especially larger hubs like you know, Chicago's also has the advantage of being more central than like New York. So some mm-hmm. stuff is closer. Some stuff is more important that way. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, oh, Cam- oh, what's Wonk that? Has it, the commodity, the, the commodity exchange, commodity exchange. Okay, yeah, yeah. That 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 makes sense. Uh, speaking of <laughs> speaking of Cameron's impressions, I I love that his uh I love that his impression of anybody that is not himself. Like if he has to do an impression of anyone, it always sounds like this. It sounds like this high class person, like this. <laughs> I'm so rich, and I have all of these yachts everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it, it, you want to sound like important and not yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all that Cameron could do. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I mentioned that Cameron may be the third wheel, but I, here's the thing. So, um, so Ferris and and Sloan, which we'll we'll talk about them in a moment here. But I want to bring this up because uh, 
because while Cameron may be the third wheel, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that Cameron has had feelings for Sloan for quite a while. Either that or develops feelings for Sloan during the movie, right? Because they share that moment together while Ferris was on the parade, right? Like, like there's that moment, right? Not to mention the fact that, (laughs) that like she, she knows that like Cameron was looking at her while she was changing out of her like suit or whatever, when they got out of the pool, which by the way, Ferris doesn't seem bothered by that in the slightest when she mentions that, by the way, (laughs) which I thought was interesting. (laughs) I never took that as terribly um it's it's a little creepy on Cameron's part but I, I think it's also the the way that the um Sloan and, and Ferris handled it is more because um Cameron was more like sheltered or just he's he is more introverted he wouldn't get out and uh-huh. talk to women this way or or be even be near a woman this way generally or or a guy actually you know I don't think he's ever been that close to Ferris before today sure so I, I think that's a little bit more how they took it, and they weren't trying to take it as malicious and more curious or new. But I mean, sure. I, that also, like, you, you know, calm down, Cameron. You, yeah, you, well, you don't got to well, be quite so pervy, dude. Right? Yeah, no, but but it, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just it just seemed like I don't know. It just seemed like she was getting like feelings for her throughout the. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading um, too much into Could it, be. but I mean. I don't know. Like I and even like when when Cameron was um <laughs> like at one point Cameron was I think it was they were in the car right if I remember and like they saw that the mileage went up because it w- it had gone for a joyride and like he basically like <laughs> he like he like kind of is like shell-shocked I guess is the right word and like and and She's even like doing like the hey, hey, wake up, hey, hey type of thing, you yeah. know, but like he was definitely looking at her like like he had that look on his face. You, you've you've I've seen that look before and <laughs> sure, I know what you mean. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, while we're on that subject, too, it's like, you know, <laughs> I love how Ferris like so he's saying he wants he he wants to marry his girlfriend like so he he goes into he breaks the fourth wall during that scene right where where um where Sloan's trying to wake up Cameron right and Ferris go uh, breaks the fourth wall during this and he single-handedly uh I don't know if anyone caught this but I caught this uh on the second time when I saw the clip of this um he single-handedly wants to marry his girlfriend like in the first sentence he's like Oh, I, I, I know I want to marry this girl, right? And then, without realizing it, completely then trashes on his girlfriend in quite literally the next sentence when he, when he's talking about Cameron's future love prospects. I don't know if anyone noticed that, but I thought that was just so hilarious. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's part. I think that's part of the fourth wall breaking of this movie that that. You can you can find both of, of that funny and and him actually like proposing to to his girlfriend in the movie like that's all within Ferris's character. Well, see, he doesn't per, he doesn't really so propose wild. to her though. Really, it, it's almost more like he says, "Let's get married." <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it's more of like a demand, sure, not a proposal, but it's you know, it's it's more put up like a hey, let's just get married, and she doesn't go with it, of course, because she's smarter than that. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, well, and. 
and the reasoning for it too it was it was like i don't know i think it was either cameron i don't remember if it was ferris or cameron but they brought up the fact that cameron's mom and dad are married and they hate each other and um and uh yeah no i think uh i think that's further down in the in the dock but yeah well we'll i'll I'll talk about that but but yeah (laughs) i it's there's so there's so much irony in that but um but also too like because here's the thing he's unknowingly trashing his girlfriend when he's talking in the while he's in the fourth while he's breaking the fourth wall right but when he's at the final scene when he's like running back to his room you know so he doesn't get caught (laughs) he he's like he's like running and then he's such a prick and he stops and you know says hello to a woman who's out sunbathing in her uh (laughs) in her uh backyard like in the middle of him like rushing back to his place so in my mind like in my mind cameron is just a prick and he doesn't actually love (laughs) sloan at all ferris you mean or Or, cameron or ferris yeah okay i was like yeah because ferris is the one who said that and right yeah yeah. that's that's just it's the it was the it was a joke to throw in the movie that that ferris is just your typical high school boy you know (laughs) Sure. He's, he's going to hit on anything that moves, you know, even, even some things that don't. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, <laughs> I so here's the thing. I also want to talk about uh, Mr. Rooney. We mentioned him briefly uh, a moment ago, but I mean, he's basically the punching bag of this entire movie, right? Like, <laughs> but here's the thing i think it's warranted given the lengths that he goes to to bust ferris like he (laughs) he is he's going so far to try to to try to bust ferris like like he makes the because but here's the thing he's i I don't know what so he makes the correlation about ferris's girlfriend right um like but he like he figures out that like oh this is definitely um this is definitely not Ferris uh, this is definitely not Sloane's parents right but then he gets embarrassed by like he gets embarrassed because he thinks he got caught right <laughs> like saying the wrong thing to her parents right and sure and like even afterwards he still had his doubts about it which 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 I'll talk about but he. He then goes down and hunts Ferris down like in the city <laughs> and does a bad job of it by confronting who he thinks is Harris, but is actually is actually a woman who gives him like <laughs> the most like dirty stare ever and just like splashes him with whatever soda she has. Right. And this is what made me laugh hysterically, though, is that <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you heard in the background, but Pac-Man was being played on the arcade back there. And the Pac-Man dot um dead sound effect plays right before the scene switches. I just busted out laughing during oh, that. Yeah, that's that that was very on purpose by the sound designers. I Absolutely. Guarantee. You know, and that's that's exactly yeah. The, the, the whole thing with Rooney is that he's he's just a your your typical eighties caricature villain. Um, you know, it's it's what every kid who who got in trouble with the, the principal of their school thought their principal was like. And, you know, I mean, obviously, as adults, like, we realized they're just normal people, but, and we were dickholes. But, you know, like, sure. It, it, he, he's just over, he, he was played up for the movie. And 
yeah, he deserves every bit of punching bag he gets in that movie because he is a dickhole in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I love the fact that, too, like after that happens, he then goes over to a TV that's nearby there. Right. And he's I don't know whether he, I, I guess he misses it because he's wiping the soda off of his face, I I, I guess. But like <laughs> the gang are, are on the TV at Wrigley Field and just as the camera cuts then he looks over it's like i don't know it just seems like and that almost seemed too slapstick to me you know what i mean it's like how do you how do you miss that you know well again that's common common 80s sure more so from tv i think because it's easier to get a laugh that way Mm -hmm. but um but it works in movies And, and it's been done in a few other movies too where you have this just people that just barely miss each other doing things or just say the wrong thing at just the wrong moment when somebody else hears only that last little bit. Right. And and then that's the joke that, that ever, you know, that, that gets played for for the cameras and everything. Yeah. And so, I almost, I almost expected a laugh track to come on after, after exactly. during that scene. <laughs> but, uh, but then he go, he actually goes to Ferris's house, which I have to imagine that breaks like every code under the sun. Right. Like that's got to break like at least three or four or five codes. It not only in the school handbook, but just in general, like that's literally trespassing. Like, right. Like not to mention like he loses his car and his wallet. Like the other thing too, is his, his car gets towed and it's like, do cars really get towed that quickly? I, I thought that was kind of unrealistic. Depending on the situation, yes, but oftentimes no. <laughs> Most of the time, no. But like, if you go and and like park in an ambulance parking or something, you better bet that that somebody's going to come get you out of there immediately. Sure. Or, or like at the airport, you know, if you don't, if you park your car at the airport, it, like like at the the terminal, they'll come tow you away if you walk out of your car. I mean, and arrest you, and there's a whole lot more that goes into that one, but. Sure. Yeah. yeah, no. And I can get I can get those situations. Right. But yeah, like in a in a in front of a driveway, like on the street, like I see that all the time. Like and like and by the way, there was like four different like notices put on the car. It was like <laughs> it was like four cops all saw it and just all felt the need to put a note on there. I guess I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, again, it's it's. They play this stuff up because it's it's funnier when you when you have this like build up or this small thing that builds up against your villain and and you you know and it's like you said he's getting punched over and over and over again in this movie and that's just another one sure but but that can be played for laughter to the audience yeah yeah well I, here here's the thing so I mentioned the fact that um like because he uh, Mr Mr Rooney gets that call from who who he embarrassingly thinks is actually Sloan's parents and and is like quickly trying to like fix the situation but honestly he's just making it worse with whatever the hell he was telling Sloan while they were waiting in the in the uh, in front of the in the front of the opening of the school like I, that I don't know what the hell he was trying to say there but but then you know 
Ferris arrives. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Ferris does arrive, but he's in his whatever the hell outfit he's in. And <laughs> I love how they like <laughs> see, because here's the thing. If I'm going to be skipping school and I'm going to be going through all of this effort to try to bring someone else out of school, right? The th- the one thing I'm not going to do is <laughs> is do like a public display of affection with someone like because because he thinks it's <laughs> her dad, right? Like like that just looks sus, right? <laughs> like why couldn't you wait like three four more minutes to not put more doubt in in his head about the whole situation, right? Right. It's it, it, yeah, it, it, and it's just more for for his for Ferris's character of kind of happy go lucky, do whatever the hell I want kind of thing, mm-hmm. and um and and also ends up giving you the secondary part of going towards Rooney's. I'm kind of an idiot, and I just hate Ferris Bueller and his girlfriend. Like it, it's it's just more more towards that joke that that they can do in there, and, and again, it's it's this sort of eighties. We don't care about actual reality. We're going to paint a picture for you and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I also love uh, I also love his reaction. It was like, so that's how it is in their family. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, by the way, uh, Mr. Rooney's secretary, Grace, like she's the most like perfect. It's like the perfect blend of sarcasm and funny. Like. Like, like, like Eddie McClurg, she did a phenomenal job at that character. I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Like, unfortunately, she didn't have as big of a presence in this movie, but I did enjoy every scene that that involved her. It was, it was, it was great. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Character was very well written and very funny. I liked it. Mm -hmm. And, and on that topic, because Janine Bueller, uh, Ferris's sister, uh, which, by the way, I have a I have an antidote about uh, about the um, the woman who plays her. Uh, oh, what's her name? Jennifer Gray. Uh, there, uh, there's some there's some th- there's some things there. But uh, but when she uh, asks Grace where Mr. Rooney is, it's like <laughs> Grace says that he's out on personal business, right? If only she knew what that personal business was like, <laughs> I I feel like the story would have gone a much different direction if she knew what that personal business was. <laughs> right. But um, and like she's so jealous of her brother. And but honestly, here's the thing. I can't blame her. Right. Like given everything that she said about uh, about everything, although I am I am. It, it is a little weird that like she got the car and not Ferris. Although maybe that was just like an age thing. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, I think she was the older sister. I, I think they said that in the movie, but yeah, at least like, she acts like she's the older sister. Yeah. So she probably yeah. would have gotten the car first and then the parents got a new car and then they're like, well, we're not going to give you the new car. So mm-hmm. share the car with your sister. You know? Right. Yeah. Which she doesn't do because she's an older sister. Yeah. And, and here's the thing though. Uh, she's, She's complaining about Ferris skipping school, but then I'm not 100% clear on this, though, because it wasn't there was no scene saying like there were there was nothing in the story that said, oh, yeah, no class is dismissed. Everyone's gone. Right. So I in my mind, I'm thinking, wait, did she just skip school to figure out if Ferris skipped school? 
because probably yeah because i wasn't 100 percent sure on that because there was never really a clear indicator that that school was like the school session was done actually no no yeah. no actually it was it, uh, like the sc- school was still in session now that i think about it because she went past the um the gym class so yeah no school right. was absolutely in session so yeah she did end up skipping school <laughs> yeah and for her it, it, skipping school wasn't the important part it was getting Ferris caught about getting about skipping school. Right. Like that was much more important to her. If, if she also got caught in the process, fine, worth it. You know, sure. No, that's fair. Yeah. And I, I, I got a question. Uh, so, did Jeannie have a crush on Charlie Sheen the entire time? And I'm just gonna call him Charlie Sheen because I think the movie calls him as literally it, it, the it, Charlie Sheen's character in the movie is boy at the police station. <laughs> so yeah. did genie have a crush on charlie sheen the entire time oh yeah i mean I, well i mean at least for the entire time she knew him in in, in the police station you know right because he was the typical he's easier you know typical bad boy he mm-hmm. probably smokes and and rides a motorcycle or something you know right and and that and that pissed me off like it's the same problem i had with breakfast club where um <laughs> where the two uh, main characters got together in the end. It's the same thing. Like that shit just pisses me off. Cause it's like, that is not realistic in the slightest. Like, <laughs> but then again, it also is, but at the same time, it's not, I, I don't know, <laughs> but I love, but, it, but that was definitely a weird one eighty of like, cause they were like kind of, kind of talking to each other, kind of not. And then just all of a sudden they're making out. It's just, I I don't get it. <laughs> I do, but I yeah, don't. You know, I mean, it's played up for laughs. It, 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 that's basically all it's there for is is to to show that like she really likes to go for bad boys, and apparently Charlie Sheen is the next one. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, at least that's what they're saying. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, and and Charlie Sheen was really young in this movie. I noticed. I mean, it, it makes sense. It was back in the eighties, but like it's such a stark contrast to the charlie sheen of two and a half men it's weird (laughs) right exactly but But, and and, yeah you you just like you say he he's gotten a lot older now and is playing a different character (laughs) he's he's more playing the i pretend like i'm a responsible adult but i'm really not Mm -hmm. whereas you know before he was just a rebellious teenager yeah, which I mean, it's it's funny, like everything that happened about Charlie Sheen, you know, it is real life, too, which kind of makes it right. even more funny. But, you know, <laughs> I digress. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but I have I ha- I had a lot of fun with this movie, but I do have some issues with it. And I I want I want to talk about these like because. But I'll let you start on this one, Alex, because I you have a very good point that about something that's so hypocritical in this movie. Oh yeah, and and I suppose this is some of the um, is similar things to what to what I've been saying throughout the rest of of you know us talking about this movie is that a lot of what happens in this movie, even if you want to call it like portraying reality, is not possible today. You know, like, like we talked about the, the hacking of, of uh, the, the computer system, you know, hacking <laughs> the, of the computer system and the way that the people that uh, uh, the, the valets that they, they took the, the joyride on in the Ferrari, that would have been really, really bad now. <laughs> and you would have gone to jail for that shit like a mm-hmm. long time. 
So it's it's most of it is either not possible or will get you jailed today. Yeah. I, even even the float thing. He would have been he would have been, you know, arrested for stealing someone's vehicle even though it's a parade float. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Well, cuz I mentioned it before cuz but at the end like when he's rushing back to his house, it's like he starts committing a whole bunch of crimes. It's like because I'm just like trespassing, 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 stealing, trespassing, trespassing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh man, it's just ugh. how does he get away with all of this shit? Anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and along that, like, I every time anybody brings up this movie, I, I talk about how could those. Granted, they're not necessarily like gearheads or something, but. How how would they think that driving a car in reverse would remove the mileage? When right? have you ever seen that happen in any of car driving in any of your lives? Yeah. It never has. Like, I mean, ever. Yeah. If we're talking like the 30s or whatever when cars were really new, sure, maybe the odometer went backwards when you drove in reverse. But they fixed that shit real fast. Right. You know? Like, I, yeah, like, because... Because the fact that all three of them... Well, I, I, I guess I guess I'll let... Uh, I guess I'll let um uh I guess I'll let Ferris's girlfriend uh slow it. I'll let her I'll let her, I'll give her a pass on that one because she wasn't there at the start when they came up with the idea. But still, actually no she was because they started doing it when she was Okay. The, why do those three like there's three of you there and not a single one of you thought like, "Oh, this isn't going to work at all." Like, I have the same exact problem. Like, I don't get that exactly. at all. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. It's, nobody today would think that. I don't care how stupid you are. Like, it, it, well, no. No, I know people <laughs> that would think that. See, you uh, you, you underestimate people's stupidity, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but we're shown, we're shown that these three people are not that kind of stupid. You know? Right, they, right. I just, I don't, I don't get why they... They decided that was, and, and that's such a p- pivotal plot point. Like, why? Why did the movie makers decide this is the hill we're gonna die on? Yeah, you know? yeah, no, and, and I, I agree so much. Like, there's so much shenanigans that are so unrealistic. Because the other thing, the the dummy, the manic dummy, right? How does manic, Mama oh, Bueller? Yeah, yeah. How does like how does Mama Bueller fall for that shit? How how does that work? Like she goes, she even goes back into the room and double checks again. How do you, yeah. how do you miss that? I mean, I don't know. She should have caught it. It's obviously played up for the movie, but I mean, I'll, I'll chalk it up to, um, to Ferris being really good at rigging that kind of Rube Goldberg stuff up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of that stuff that he was rig- rigging up, I noticed that piano that he had. And and that and he uses it when he's on the phone talking to uh, talking to some people on the phone about it, right? And like he's he it, it's one of those where you it plays sound effects on the keys instead of like you know actually playing a piano. And I'm like and I'm like I don't know if it was me or somebody else that brought it up, but it's like I'm pretty sure that's the same piano that they use on the Price is Right to do all their sound effects on. Like I'm pretty sure it's the exact same piano. Oh, probably. I'm not into pianos that much, but I know that that has a name. It's, I don't think synthesizer is the right name, but there's a name for it when when it's put in that mode of being able to just do random sounds for the keys. 
and mm-hmm. some of them you could record to those keys as well. So I, I I don't know if it's the same model, but seems seems likely enough. Yeah. And uh, okay, yeah. So here's <laughs> here's the other thing. So I mentioned about how Ferris wants to get married to Sloan, just casually mentions it, right? And uh and and Cameron says like, well, they sh- either Cameron or Ferris mentions like, oh, Cameron's mom and father hate each other after they got married. And like, without going too deep into th- into it, it's like <laughs> the way I see it now, it's like marriage isn't even about love at this point. It's basically like an official rubber stamp to tell the government you want to be in a different tax bracket. <laughs> like, eh, like let's- maybe, but. The, the problem is, too, is that it ties you to somebody for a long time. So you better at least, like, be able to stand them. You know? Sure. It, so it, I understand what you're saying, but I think that there are many people that disagree with you. And oh, I yeah. think the answer is somewhere Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I know that very many people do, do not have that opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, Actually, I'm going to mention that uh, that later because uh, Janine's reason for getting arrested was uh, again, uh, again, it's it's another one of these like they're playing it up for the movie. I get it. But still, like the reason for her getting arrested was because she made a phony phone call. And in my mind, I'm like, did the police not check the house for for Mr. Rooney at all? Like, did they not even bother looking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, like you say, that's part of the joke that's that's played up. It, it's not really meant to be anywhere representative of reality. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And at at the very end, when the mother and father get home, the the mother, like, because, like, you know, Janine is, like, you, you know, causing all of this trouble and everything. It's like the mother asks what they should do about her. And the father is like, I don't know, shoot her. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's probably one of those things that, like, at this point, they've been dealing with her and, and Ferris fighting so much. And, of course, given the movie, Ferris is better at playing it off in his favor. So she might be the person that is sort of the less liked child at that point. Yeah. and And again, right? Like, like Ferris actually like it, like Ferris goes through all of this stuff right he finally gets back to the house and that's when he actually gets busted at the very end and then all of a sudden Janine is like oh yeah no I'm gonna help Ferris just randomly like because here's the thing she like saw Ferris right and then just like takes off in the vehicle because she's trying to bust him right oh yeah so like why all of a sudden like like was was the kiss from Charlie Sheen really that spectacular? Like I don't get it. <laughs> no, um, she hates Rooney more than she hates Ferris. That's that's what it's the enemy of my enemy kind of deal. She hates Rooney way more. <laughs> ah, that's a good point. Okay, no, and at this fair. point she's like, all right, it's it's Rooney and this guy's at least my brother. You know, he's, I'm he's my blood. But, All right, let's get rid yeah, of it. Yeah, okay, and that's, <laughs> that's true. But also, here's the other thing to consider, too, is that I think she realized in that moment that that, uh, that uh, Mr. Rooney was the one that was that was the intruder, right? And so at that mm. point, she's probably like, oh, yeah, no, I definitely want to screw him even more than he's already, right? So he's going to, like, she's going to do that. 
to like you said, yeah, basically it makes <laughs> Mr. Rooney look bad and yeah, she hates Rooney more. So yeah, no, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Fair enough. Um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the thing. I know that the movie is considered a comedy, right? Like I get that that's its like genre, right? But it's just so funny. Like there's so many good funny moments, right? Oh, exactly. And and I mean, like we've talked about, it's this very classically 80s style of comedy that, that they go through in this whole movie. And it's everywhere. It's it's like every every scene is just dripping with this like over exaggerated, almost slapstick, but but still funny comedy. And like one of my favorite things is actually a thing that you didn't particularly like or think should have worked. <laughs> and that's the, the, the sort of Rube Goldbergian machine that, that Ferris made to to make it look like he's sleeping. Or, or sick in, in bed and slightly waking up when somebody opens the door. It, it, it's terrible. It never should have worked. And anytime anybody looks in that room, you expect him to get caught. And then and then he doesn't, which adds to the, the hilarity of the next time it happens. So right. I, I, I think it's just one of the one of the really great jokes that they reuse in this movie. And it works every time. Yeah. And Routing Wog makes a good point in the Discord, GameNightDiscord.com. <laughs> he's he's saying base because the premise of the movie is that Ferris gets away with everything that he really shouldn't be able to. Yeah, no, that that's what tr- and that's exactly what's triggering me about it, right? Like <laughs> I like Ferris as a character, but it triggers me that he gets away with so much shit and it's like if I tried like any one of those things, I would have not it would not have worked. Like that yeah. Oh yeah. That like I think that's what triggers me. <laughs> It's, I, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of other great things in this movie, too. Um, and, and it's another one of those uh, set those 80s sort of setups to the, the scene is it, when the valets go for the joyride in the Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And it's just the, the most hilarious joke that you can see coming from a mile away. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They, they, they go down, they hand the, the valet the keys and the key, the valet's getting in there. And Cameron's kind of giving them the eye up and the valet's like, well, you fellas got nothing to worry about. I'm a professional. And Cameron goes professional. What? Yeah, and then, famous uh, it, last it, it, words, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not quite a smash cut. That that would have been if they'd done it in the two thousands. But but it's basically like finish that line of, of 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 talking, and then boom, very next scene, the valets peel out of the garage, just do tires squealing and floor it up the road. It's you knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like what happened to the foolproof plan, Ferris. <laughs> I, I'm more amazed that they actually got the car back when they were when they were asking for it back. You know what I mean? Like they just happened to time it right where they got done with their joyride when they were ready to get it. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Did they finally finish it up right there on time? Yeah. And it's just it's too funny that that whole scene with the joyride is, is great. Yeah. No. And, and by the way, speaking of that, like during that joyride scene, it was like a super brief scene. But the Star Wars theme was playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, as they're making that like sort of jump off the, yeah, off the that the top t- of the that hill caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. But I think we were talking about in the watch. Par- it was either in the watch party or afterwards. Is that um, back in those days? But back before Star Wars became Disney, it was basically like George Lucas, like kind of w- licensed it out and like wanted people to use it. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, he wanted the movie to be known more because he he had more plans, obviously, for beyond the first one. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he it was basically free advertising for him in, mm-hmm. in that sort of way. 
Yeah, of course. Of course, nowadays, Disney ain't going to do that at all. No. <laughs> but yeah, and and there's a uh, there's a post credit scene uh, at the end of the movie, which is what it was hilarious to uh, talk about that. Yeah, and, and it's uh, a lot of people like to think it's the first uh, film to have a post credit, but that, that's not even close. 20 years before, there's a movie called The Silencers that was it, it, it's what most people consider to be the first post credit scene. It was in 1966. But but this one is just one of the ones that people find the most memorable because it was a very large movie that a lot of people, I don't mean large, but like a lot of people saw this movie. So they all kind of were like, oh, that's what a post credit scene is. And it's funny, you know, and and, and of course, it, th- to make it even funnier, it, it, in the end, it was brought back by Deadpool, who is also well known for breaking the fourth wall. It's kind of his entire character. Yeah, so it's it's just it, it's really well done and and a very very memorable post credit scene. Yeah, and and that and that's one thing. It's like I I don't want to miss mentioning is like yeah, you were mentioning like it's literally like Ferris is breaking the fourth wall a lot in this movie and like. I, like I haven't seen any other movie that really even does that, right? Like it, like Ferris Bueller is really the only movie that I know that really like breaks the fourth wall, you know, realistically. And like I, the the one that the one that made the one that was super funny to me, right? Like the one that the one that I thought was particularly funny was there was that restroom assistant that was in there while they were in the restaurant. And I love how he just doesn't bat an eye at all when Ferris is breaking the fourth wall. It's it's almost like when Ferris breaks the fourth wall, it's like nobody can see or hear that he's doing it almost like it's almost like he doesn't even exist while he's doing it. Right. That that might be a possibility. I also think that uh, if you're a restroom attendant, like if that's what you've chosen to do as your job, you're really good at minding your own business. Mm-hmm. So he probably wouldn't say anything at this point because, like, what are you going to do? Accuse the guy of talking to himself and talk yourself out of a tip? Come mm-hmm. on, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So now, now that we've mentioned uh, what we liked, our gripes, all of this, it's time to give a final rating of the movie. So, Alex, thumbs up, thumbs down. What's your rating? I mean, this it, it's just a thumbs up. It's it's a good time. It's a fun movie. It's a bit of 80s with, uh, you know, where they have that sort of, you know, Cameron gets to learn to, to be his own man and all that sort of thing. And Ferris Bueller learns nothing. So <laughs> it's, it never really tries to be anything other than a, a fun 80s movie. And it does well at that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and yeah, same with you. Yep. I liked it. It was a super fun movie. And yep, this movie definitely gets a thumbs up from me. I enjoyed this a lot. And I can definitely see myself rewatching this movie plenty of times over because <laughs> it has a lot of rewatchability. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Alex, for being on the show. It was so great to have you on again. This is such a fun conversation. Uh, let the folks know where they can uh, find find you online. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, normally I'm I'm on uh, game night. Uh, so whenever game night's live, I'll be around. But uh, I also stream now uh, a little bit. And uh, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Tinvec. Yeah. So, and um, I noticed you were getting back into streaming. And that's that's super fun and exciting. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm mostly doing like Tuesday nights, um, sometimes weekends if I feel like it. But it's it's not I'm I'm not doing anything super crazy. It's it's just like if I'm gonna have fun streaming and, and talking with people while I play games. So Yeah. No, that's fun. Uh so yeah, check that out. Twitch.tv slash Tinvec T-I-N-N-V-E-C. Uh, I'm doing a watch party for each of the movies that we review on the show. Uh, Tinvec alluded to it just now. Uh, you can stream. Uh, you can watch me live over on my Twitch, uh, where I stream the reaction along with myself and fellow listeners. Uh, that's over on Twitch.tv/wscottis1. I'm also live there every Wednesday and Friday night. But if you can't make it live to the party, don't worry. We have that watch party available exclusively to patreon supporters if you want to support the show and you want to kick a few bucks my way and help keep this show running you can do so over at patreon.com slash w scott is one and hey if you already are a patron share share it with someone else who can't who wants to give uh and i would really appreciate it if you have thoughts about anything we discussed today you can join the Cinemavention channel in our Discord. I see B. Coford and Wonk hanging out of there. Uh, uh, you can uh, join them and so many others um, in the Cinemavention channel. Just go to GameNightDiscord.com. Send me an email as well if you want. Email at Cinemavention.com. And Cinemavention.com is your, is your website for all previous episodes. You can see show notes there. And a link to subscribe to the podcast. Really appreciate it if you would subscribe on your favorite podcatcher of choice. We're on every platform, so go check that out. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can check him out at incompetech.com. And as I mentioned before, we'll be back next week to discuss the movie War Games with Kent Fallor from the Ritual Misery podcast. That's going to be a fun episode. I hope that you'll be there. And until then, we'll see you next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> it's over. What are you doing? Go home. <laughs>